right, if you will, just open your Bibles with me to uh, Matthew chapter 2 this morning. And throughout the, uh, this month of December, we've been really making much of Jesus and, uh, and the birth of, of our Savior. Um, and and this, this morning, it, it will be no different. We'll be making much of Jesus, but we'll actually be out of Luke chapter 2 and jumping over to Matthew chapter 2. Now, what we're going to be looking at today, um, I don't have my clicker, so I'll let you guys, I'll, I'll signal you guys whenever we're ready. Uh, but however, this, this month we made much of Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, but when we kind of look back on it, we, and the, the series and the events that actually took place, there was really nothing usual or common about the birth of Jesus Christ. Even looking at his early ch- childhood, there's a lot of unusual, unexpected events that actually took place. Practically every event was unusual or uncommon or totally unexpected. There was a fact that God, that the, the, the unusual fact that he was God's very own son. The fact that he was born of a virgin. The fact that his birth was announced to shepherds in the field by angels. That he was born in a stable. That he was lied in a manger or a feeding trough. Very, very uncommon circumstances that that we see in the birth of Jesus Christ. But the unexpected, it continues right on even to the experience of the wise men. The wise men, in, in, the, in the context there, this is like a picture of those who are seeking to find Jesus. And if I can be cliche, wise men still seek him, right? Y'all have heard that before, correct? Yeah. I figured it was a pretty common, commonly spoken thing. Now the wise men, they're a picture of those who are seeking out Jesus. And as they sought him, The events that took place were totally unexpected, but they happened over and over again as we read through the scripture, just a lot of unexpected things. But as someone who is following Jesus Christ, this is usually the case. We are are faced with very unexpected circumstances. Some of the unexpected circumstances could be great and joyous times, but also these unexpected circumstances could be very tragic to us as well. But throughout our pursuit in following Jesus and seeking after Jesus in our lives, something we can definitely rest assured in is that God is always faithful. He's always faithful to us. And if a person is truly seeking Christ, then God will take these unexpected events and he will work them out for his good. For the, <clears throat> and work them out for his good as we are told in Romans 8, 28. You know, God leads a person to Jesus Christ regardless of the circumstances and the events, whether they're expected or whether they're unexpected. So I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Netflix series, Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. Anybody there? All right. Yeah, it's kind of a fun, a fun little show. Well, this morning what I want us to take a look at, we're going to be looking at the wise men and their series of unexpected events. Let's talk about the wise men just for a minute. You know, we don't know a whole lot about them, but according to tradition and and history, what we find out about these wise men, also known as the Magi, they were men from the Far East, probably from Persia. You know, they were influential men of learning. They were influential men of authority. They were the skilled scientists of their day, very well skilled and learned in the fields of philosophy and science, medicine, astrology. And these men were thought to be the ministers and the advisors to the rulers of Persia. Important people, right? Very, very um, um, 
uh, very, very high on the social ladder, if you will. Now, these wise men, they set off on an unusual journey, an un unusual journey that was, that was started by a shiny dot in the sky. They saw a star apparently burning brighter than normal, but something apparently that they were looking for because they interpreted it as a star that would locate the birth of the king of the Jews. Now, I don't know if you know how far Persia is from Jerusalem, but it's a very short walk of 9,000 miles. Not a short trip. This is a long distance. This was not an easy trip for them. This was not something that was just, you know, we'll, we'll run out here just for the weekend. If they, averaged, if they averaged a travel distance of 20 miles per day, it would have taken them over a year and a half to do it. So this was a trip that they were willing to make the sacrifice of a minimum of at least three years of their life just in traveling to go see this king of the Jews that was born. Now the timeline that we're looking at here, whenever we're coming into Matthew chapter 2, you know, Luke, Luke chapter 2 gives us the, the, um, the, the events of Jesus' birth. But most likely when, the, when the, um, the wise men actually get to Jerusalem, we're looking at Jesus being somewhere between the age of a year and a half to two years. And this is determined by when they actually saw the star. So assuming that the star is, is um, um, shown itself at the very night of Jesus' birth, we can assume that he is between the age of a year and a half to two years. And this is also the, term, the, the time that was determined by King Herod in verse 7. It said, when it said, Then Herod, whenever he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Now also finding out that they were seeking this new king, he wanted to put Jesus to death, and they didn't have the, in Herod not having the information he needed to go specifically find Jesus, he put all the children who were aged two and under to death in Bethlehem and all of its districts. So, so kind of giving that timeline, Jesus is somewhere a, a young toddler to toddler age at this point. And they have spent a year and a half at least traveling from Persia, and they have just arrived in Jerusalem. So let's take a look at verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes to, uh, of the people together, he inquired of them where this Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he, set, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this young child. And when you have found him, bring back word, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. 
And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what we see is this event took place. And in this, we're going to see some unexpected events for the wise men. So we're going to take a look through the wise men's eyes and their perspective and see a few unexpected events. What we see in verse 1 and verse 2, we see that the reason why they came is they had seen his star. They're looking for the king of the Jews, the one who has been born, because they had seen his star. We don't know really a whole lot about this star, but what we can understand is, and, and know is that it was a miraculous thing. And apparently it guided the men to a general location of Jesus at the time of his birth. Now, from what I can understand in reading from Scripture, it was something that showed itself for a short period of time, long enough, at least long enough, for them to make their calculations and to map out their journey to where the star was pointing. And it wasn't a star that led them on a continual journey for the year and a half to two years that it took them to get there. How do we know that? Well, because once they left the king and headed to Bethlehem, it said that the star appeared again. So, so, they're looking, so we understand it was a miraculous thing. It located a general location where Jesus was born, and that's what led them to Jerusalem. And then later, it pinpointed where Jesus was when it hovered over the house where he was staying. So the wise men, they set off on this journey, this unusual journey, with the most significant purpose. They set out on a 9,000-mile trek across the wilderness in order to meet Jesus for the purpose of worshiping him. They wanted to meet this newborn king of the Jews for the purpose of bowing down to him and worshiping him. Now, what was unexpected first for him, just like any other foreigner would, whenever they would assume they would hear a newborn king, they would assumed that it would be born of a reigning king. So that probably is why they ended up in Jerusalem to begin with, and they knocked on King Herod's door saying, where is this king that has been born? Where is the king of the Jews? And the first unexpected um, event that we see this, um, this morning in our text is this brought them to answer the unexpected question to Herod. This completely threw him off guard, the question of, the, the question of where is he? King Herod, not, we're at the palace door. We're here, to, we're here to, to worship the king of the Jews. Where is he? Where is this king? Herod's like, what are you talking about? That really threw him for, for a loop here. He's like, I don't know of any king. I'm the king. I'm the king that deserves the worship. And you're seeking a different king within my kingdom? He didn't know who in the world he was talking about. He's like, what is this? What are you talking about? This, this king of the Jews. He didn't have any idea. So what does he do? Well, you're asking for the king of the Jews, so let me ask these Jewish people. So he, they, so he gathers the priests and the scribes, and they come, and they say, and he asks them a question, where is this guy supposed to be born? He said, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Now, though the religious leaders, the priests and the scribes, they did know where Jesus was to be born, where the Messiah was to come, but they had no idea he had been born. Say, look, this, this is where he's supposed to be born, and guess what? We've got God showing up on our doorstep, 
telling us that a star appeared around two years ago and this was a signal that the Messiah has been born and we don't know anything about it. So it was very unexpected. Why are you asking about the king of the Jews? Why are you here? Why did you travel 9,000 miles to ask me that question? It doesn't make sense to me. So it was very unexpected for King Herod to have that question posed to him. It was unexpected for the, for the religious leaders and the, of the Jews to even have that question asked to them because, yeah, we know that the Messiah is coming in Bethlehem, but he's not born yet. We don't have the king here. He's not here yet because Herod's still king. He hadn't, the king hadn't met the expectations of the Jews yet, so it, was, it threw them off guard, the unexpected question. But where is he? And they had no idea. They had no idea where to find this person, this king of the Jews that they were seeking. You know, everyone should be able to answer this question, especially those who claim to be God's people. You know, where is he? But why didn't they have the answer? Well, we really don't know why they didn't have the answer. You know, I guess um, if you kind of think about this, if we don't, I mean, I guess the word just stopped spreading or people just were um, uninterested in it. But we know that at least a year and a half, two years ago, that angels appeared to shepherds and shepherds came to Bethlehem and made widely known the things concerning this child. And Bethlehem is only about six miles outside of Jerusalem. So did the word spread to Jerusalem? I have to assume that it did, because it's not that far and it's a pretty miraculous thing to have crazy shepherds talking about shiny people in the sky concerning a child that they find in a manger. I would assume that that story would spread that the Messiah had come. Now, if it had spread, obviously it had died down. People may have got excited about it, and, they, and it died down. And maybe this baby didn't meet the expectations of the Jew Jewish and religious leaders, so they didn't pay it any attention at all. They wrote it off as just someone, you know, just, just talking. But what we do know is that whenever they were posed this question, it caused some trouble, which is our next point. We won't get to it yet. I would assume it's much like the world today. Maybe we're too preoccupied with ourselves and our worldly affairs, maybe our selfish ambitions, material possessions, or fulfilling our physical and fleshly desires. I mean, really, to think about it in that day and also in today's day, we have to ask the question, you know, how far away from God is the world that they do not know that the King of Kings, God's own Son, has come into our world? How far away must we be? In John chapter 1 and verse 10, it says this. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So yeah, they were completely caught off guard when the, when the Magi from 9,000 miles away traveled across to ask the question, where is he? Where is this one who was born to be the king of the Jews? And think about the anticipation that these wise men had. Obviously, they were excited enough to pack up and get ready to go for 9,000 miles. The building anticipation, what kind of expectations do you think that they were expecting once they got to Jerusalem? Wow. And they asked the question of the king, where is the king of the Jews? I don't know what you're talking about. What about the thoughts of Man, did we just waste a 9,000-mile trip? Well, what did we come here? I mean, just think of the air that just, just left their balloon. 
I mean, completely deflated. You know, we just made a trip and nobody knows what we're talking about. We have no, nobody has any idea. So the unexpected question that was posed to them was one of those unexpected events that they had, they, their expectations were not met. They were like, man, we should, somebody should have been able to tell us where this king of the Jews is. We knew about it. We saw the star. They're probably assuming that everybody else saw the star and that they're making their way to go worship him as well. But when they got there, they posed an unexpected question to the ones who should have known the answer, and they were unable to get any kind of direction at all. But this unexpected question asked of King Herod, it brought about an unexpected disturbance. Now, what does it say in verse 3? It says, when, um, when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. But not only just King Herod, but it says, in all Jerusalem with him. So this brought about an unexpected disturbance. They didn't expect the fact that they were asking the question, where is the king of Jews, to cause a big uproar within the city. He didn't think that it would trouble a king because he was assuming that maybe the king who was born the king of Jews was of a concurrent reigning king. So this was an unexpected result by asking the question, where is this king of the Jews? And it troubled King Herod. Now I can understand how it would trouble King Herod. King Herod was the reigning king. King Herod was a, was a very insecure, selfish, bloody, murderous tyrant who killed anybody who got in his way. Evil, evil man. And anybody who would threaten his position on the throne was taken out. So I can understand why this was being concerned. You have very important, influential, educated people traveling across the wilderness, trekking over 9,000 miles to come to knock on your door and say, I'm not really interested in you, King Herod. I want to talk to the king of the Jews. That's the one we want to worship. So you can imagine what that can do into the mindset of someone with that mentality. You're probably extremely offended extremely worried and now he's concerned because he's got really influential people seeking out this said to be king that is to come so, wow that's quite unexpected isn't it so they were thinking there's an unexpected thing is the fact that it, they were causing trouble by asking for this this king of the jews this newborn king but while were all the others worry. Or maybe the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders of the Sanhedrin, maybe, maybe pride. So you, you, have these, you have these Gentiles that saw the star, you have these Gentiles that followed to the place where this Messiah was to be born, and yet you have these, you have these religious leaders, these priests and scribes living six miles away, and they have no idea about this Messiah. They don't, know where he, they don't know where he is. They, they haven't made any kind of provisions to go meet him. And they completely missed him, as we talked about last week. Because there was no room, no provisions made for their coming Savior. But they just had no idea. This is kind of quite accurate, even about our current generation. Even the religious, you know, the very people who should know to be able to give direction towards Jesus Christ just don't have the answer. People who have the label of Christian, when asked the question, they can't give any kind of meaningful direction to where Jesus Christ is. And a lot of that is a lot of people who claim to know Jesus truly don't. They may know Jesus, but Jesus doesn't know them. But this is really something to note here. The religious people missed it. 
They didn't, they didn't see the star. They didn't follow. They didn't know that he had come. They didn't make any kind of preparations, yet they knew the scriptures. They knew what it said. And if they knew, if they knew Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, to know that the Savior was born in Bethlehem, I would assume that they knew very well the, uh, Daniel chapter 9, which gave them the very year. So either they were willingly ignorant or not, not, not willing to accept how Jesus came into our world, or they just completely ignored it. But something to note here is that the Gentiles recognized the star. The Gentiles charted out and planned a 9,000-mile trip and posed an unexpected question to an evil tyrant. And it was the evil tyrant, King Herod, that actually brought it to the attention of the religious leaders. Like, hey, scribes, priests, come, come, come check this out. These really important guys are asking about your Savior. What can you tell me about it? So you can see how that would cause a bit of a disturbance. Who is this king? But the unexpected question bringing about an unexpected disturbance also led to an unexpected commission. An unexpected commission from King Herod to the wise men. So let's take a look in verse 7 and 8. It says, Then Herod, whenever he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. What was the unexpected commission? To go and search for this king of the Jews. Go and search for him. Go look for him because nobody else knows where he is. Think about it from the perspective. They planned a 9,000 mile trip to come see this king of the Jews, to come see this newborn king, to come see the Messiah that had been prophesied. And now when they get there, nobody knows what, he's, what they're talking about and they're having to continue their search after they get to the location that the star showed them where to go. Think about that. How unexpected. We're here, and yet we still have to go search for him. So when the king gave them the commission to go search out the newborn king, and whenever you find him, whenever you can get the information that I don't have, come and let me know that I may go worship him as well. But we all know that that wasn't what he was intending to do. He wanted to find out where Jesus was for the purpose of killing him. But think about this again for a moment, from the perspective of the wise men. Whenever they came into Jerusalem, they knocked on the king's door and unashamedly testified to the supernatural. Said, look, we came here because we followed a shiny dot in the sky. We followed a, a star that said to come here, and we know to come here because, because this, this uh, king of the Jews has been born. Said, look, this is why we are here. And yet, they don't know anything. They openly spoke about it like, if, like it should be common knowledge. And they got there like, look, we don't know. But i tell you what. These Jews here, they told you it's in Bethlehem. Go find him. Search for him. And whenever you find out what you're looking for, come let me know because I have, I have business to deal with as well. I would like to meet this Savior that you call as the king of the Jews. And what a shock. The reigning king did not know of the Messiah, neither did the religious leaders. And many expect to find the information of the newborn king in the lives of those who profess God as their, um, profess God as their Lord, 
and yet whenever we're asked, we're unable to give meaningful direction, and too often this happens. And too many times, those people who are searching for Christ, they come to the right places, they don't get the answers, it forces them to go somewhere else or completely drop out of the search altogether. There's some good truth here as well. Even though they went there and their expectations weren't met by the people in the, in the, in the surrounding events, God was able to use this wicked king in order to help the wise men in their search, didn't he? Let's talk about Herod the Great just for a moment. Herod the Great, as I said, he was this very self-centered, insecure, murderous, bloody, bloodthirsty tyrant. History shows that he murdered many of his own family. He murdered his favorite wife. He had 10 of them. By the way, Crystal, you're my favorite. He had 10 wives, he murdered his favorite, he murdered her grandfather, her, her brother, he even murdered some of his own children. This man on one occasion had the entire Sanhedrin assassinated. And on another occasion, he had every notable man in Jerusalem murdered. So whenever it comes to the accusation that was given to him on Matthew chapter two and verse 16, where he was where he sent out to kill all babies two years old and under, he's very capable of doing just that. This is a evil, nasty king. I mean, it's just, there's very few people that can actually meet the standard of this. But I want you to also understand, God used him, did he not? God used this unexpected exchange here for the purpose of bringing the religious leaders who had no idea who they were asking for, but bring them and put them together with the wise man in order to get what? The location of Bethlehem is where the Savior was born. That's good news for all of us, isn't it? Because if God can use an evil, nasty, murderous tyrant, there's hope for me, right? He can use me, someone who's willing to be used of God. He can do great and mighty things. So that's why in our, in our pursuit to follow Jesus and to, and to, and to find him and to, and to be with him and to be in a, a, a strong relationship with Jesus Christ, and as we pursue him, these unexpected events can be used by God in order to direct us to him. That's exactly what happened whenever they knocked on the door of the evil king, Herod. But probably the most unexpected part of this entire journey was this commission. The fact that they, once they got to where the star led them, they still had to search for him. He wasn't made well known. Now think about, about this time during my journey, I think I would be a little bit discouraged. Anybody with me on that? You've already traveled 9,000 miles. If anybody should know of this king of the Jews, it's going to be the reigning king in Jerusalem. So you knock on his door, he doesn't have any idea. God's own people don't have any idea. You've exhausted all of your possible resources. Now you have just pinpointed within about a 10 mile radius from 9,000 miles away from a shiny dot in the sky and taken a year and a half to two years to travel there just to find nothing so far. What other resources do they have? They don't have anything. All they know is Bethlehem. And I'm gonna tell you, even though it's a small town of Bethlehem, it's still gonna be a difficult task to find a toddler, you know, that is gonna be Jesus, is gonna, is gonna be Jesus Christ. But what we also see oh, is the unexpected sign. The unexpected sign is in verse 9. It says, And when they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east 
before them, um, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced and were exceedingly, with exceedingly great joy. Wow. You know, it's amazing that whenever we will faithfully, unapologetically pursue Jesus Christ with our lives, we can exhaust every possible um, resource that we possibly have, give every bit of energy that we possibly can give, and can be completely without anything else. This is when God will show up, and he will meet your need, and he will make your pathway clear. The wise men, they had no other resources Upon their expectations of, of coming into a city that was worshiping the king of the Jews, they found that nobody knew what he was talking about. They, they exhausted all the information they could, and all they had was Bethlehem. And once they had done everything that they possibly could, God shows up and gives them this star. And it led their way directly to it. And they followed the star until it hovered over the house where Jesus was with Mary. So they had an unexpected sign which is a star reappearing to pinpoint where Jesus was. Two years before, they had a general location that led them to Jerusalem. And in their continual pursuit, God showed up, exposed their need, gave them their need, and made their way perfectly clear and directed their steps right to Jesus Christ. And God will do that for each and every one of us. If we truly pursue Christ, he will direct our steps. He will make known your way. He will make known his will for you in your lives. And these men were able to come to Jesus in their final steps by following the path that God had led them on. And ultimately, this unexpected question that caused this unexpected disturbance, and this unexpected disturbance brought about an unexpected commission to go find Jesus. And this unexpected commission uh, brought them to a point where they saw an unexpected sign where God miraculously showed them where Jesus was. This unexpected sign then led them to the unexpected king. The unexpected king. Now the king that they had expected by evidence that they showed up in Jerusalem at the royal palace, that would have been the king that they were anticipating. You know, one that was well-known, one that may have been surrounded by the splendor and the wealth and the royalty and being protected and, and held up high, uh, being surrounded by people, and being protected and highly regarded, living a life you know, wanting absolutely nothing. They expected him to be already well-known and possibly already being worshipped by the masses of people. But that's not what they found. What they found was an unexpected king from their perspective. They found a king that was a humble child in a humble house, in humble surroundings. They found a child with common parents and in a humble house. But however, upon finding this unexpected king, they did not treat him as though he was common. Now these men of great power and influence, after traveling 9,000 miles, and even in the surroundings of, of where nobody knew where this Jesus was, or nobody knew anything about him or where to find him, once they found him, they treated him as if he was who he was. They bowed down and they worshiped the king of kings, the toddler, Jesus Christ. They laid down to him the very best possible things they could, giving him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
They did not treat him as common, but they truly worshipped him. At the end of their pursuit, they found Jesus, met him face to face, and truly gave him honor for who he was and what he was going to do. I'm sure many of us, we can have very similar testimonies. We can look back in our lives and the times where we actually, you know, at the point where we came to Christ, we can look back in time from that. We can see those unexpected events that actually turned us to the right direction to put us in a position where we would hear the gospel and be able to turn from our sins and trust Christ as our personal Savior um, and be saved forevermore. We can, go, we can look back on those events and how God used that for his honor and for his glory, for him to, um, for him to uh, receive the praise from, uh, from us. I also want you to understand as we as Christians not only come into a right relationship with Christ upon salvation, but if we continue to pursue, yes, you are going to be faced with unexpected circumstances. You're going to come across things that you never thought you would have to face or never thought you would have to see. But rest assured, we can see as in the events that played out for these wise men, all these unexpected things, they still ended up at the feet of Jesus Christ, bowing down to him and worshiping him and giving of themselves to him. But even upon meeting Jesus Christ, the protection of God and the divine uh, protection that he was offering in verse 12 it says then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed for their own country another way you know as, as children of God we must continually pursue Christ expect the unexpected obviously but understand that throughout all of this God was in complete and total control he gave them a sign two years before the star in the sky Gave them a way to get 9,000 miles across the wilderness to come and to face a bloodthirsty tyrant. And I believe that the only reason why they were still alive is the fact that they were asking for the king. The only reason they were still alive is because they were asking for the king and the fact that King Herod wanted the information that they had. I think very clearly if they would have brought back that information, they probably would have been put to death for seeking a king in his kingdom and he would have sought out and felt Jesus and, and killed him too. But we see the turn of events that actually happened. When they continually pursued Christ, God gave, gave them a, a divine warning, protecting them, saying, look, don't go talk to Herod. You need to go home a different way. And he made their way known, made their path bright, just as he did earlier with the second story. There's a lot that we can learn. But the main thing here is, as we, go, as we end our year, as we pre- prepare for a time of invitation this morning, as we, as we go, as we leave off this year, we're going into 2019, let's have an understanding that, yes, pursuing Christ will bring about a turn of events that could be unexpected, completely unknown. We can be completely blindsided. But we can all trust and know that God is in control, knowing that those circumstances can be used if we faithfully pursue Christ to direct us right to Him. Let's stand, let's have a hymn of invitation this morning. Father, we want to thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for your word this morning. And God, I pray that for those of us who may have not been pursuing Christ as we should, that this morning that we can see that for those who do pursue you, have the benefits of your protection and your leadership. God, may we rest in your control. May we rest in who you are and your sovereignty. Father, we ask for the name of Jesus. Amen.